The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. We're coming down to the wire to a little bit of a mental breather here. With the All-Star break, so very close, we can almost taste it, but not quite. Just a couple games left here on this Thursday, and then, then, we can start looking at the dunk contest, the three-point contest, have a little fun, relax a little bit, and hope that Damian Lillard's groin strain is not that bad. If it's bad, I'm screwed. I have that dude on my two most important teams right now. So I am stressed. I'm stressed. Damian Lillard, not sleeping. But whatever, you guys didn't tune in to hear me complain about my own fantasy teams. You heard me to complain about yours. So heaven forbid you guys have Damian Lillard on your team. Welcome to Fantasy NBA Today, everybody. I am Dan Bespris, praying for the best on that one. All-Star break couldn't have come at a better time for somebody recovering. My guess is he misses additional time on the other side of it, just sort of on what we know about groin strains and how they can linger. And we just have to hope that it's not the LeBron kind, that it's more of the, you know, two to three week kind. I'm in a bad spot right now, guys. That's the one guy I could not afford to have go down. The one guy this close to the playoffs this is this is truly awful timing. Anyway, let's just dive on in. Uh, get my mind off of things by talking about guys like Christian Wood dunking on people and Marquise Chris dunking on people, and uh, that'll perk me up a little bit. I'm Dan Bespris, by the way, this person complaining to you at the front end of a podcast, at Dan Bespris on Twitter. Thanks, as always, for tuning in, everybody. We're at a part of the season now where I think some of my promos fall in a little bit on deaf ears outside of the Raiden review pleading that I've done with you guys. So that's the only one I'm going to do on today's show. And I'm going to save it for somewhere in the middle of the show. You'll never see it coming. Like that line in Dumb and Dumber. I didn't even see it coming. Detroit lost in overtime in Orlando. Fun one. Anytime you get bonus basketball and you've got a bunch of... Bu- Guys from the two teams on your fantasy roster, you're feeling good about it. Thon Maker played 26 minutes, including a couple minutes in overtime. He was right around half the ball game. He didn't actually do anything in overtime. I think he got a rebound. Maybe? No, I think he did nothing. 18 points, two boards, an assist, a steal, and a block. I, I still have him pegged more as a block specialist type, but it seems like he's ready to space the floor a little bit. And he feels like a guy you can probably add. I also think you'll see less Markeith Morris on days where he hasn't, where he's not the guy kind of leading the charge for Detroit. Because what's the point there? He's not a long-term thing. They kind of want to see what they have in Thon Maker and obviously Christian Wood. If he's not in foul trouble, which he wasn't in this ballgame, he's going to be dunking on people. Reggie Jackson had a double-double in 36 minutes, so that's pretty good, but he missed a lot of shots, and that's going to always hold him back. And then Derek Rose had a minutes cap, Pretty, by the way, I was impressed. I, I know on this podcast, I am I was one of the people crowing that he was going to play. I heard Twitter starting to turn on the shutdown time, but th- that's just not, you guys have to put yourself in the brains of some of these guys and, and what there's left for. So a guy like Derrick Rose, and obviously shooting one for 13 is pretty awful. Um, 
opportunity to just kind of get his feet underneath him before the All-Star break. But the thing with Rose that we have to remember is he is one of the people on the court right now that's staring his basketball mortality in the eye every day. He knows how quickly it can go away, and he's not just going to shut it down for no reason. He doesn't want the offseason. He's one of those guys. He just wants to be balling as long as he can. So you might see his minutes come down, down the stretch. No reason to run him completely ragged, not with Reggie Jackson back. But mid-20s to mid-to-high-20s is more than enough for him. And again, with no Blake Griffin the rest of the year, there's just a lot for he and Reggie Jackson to both do. So Rose should be on your team. Jackson, a little bit more of a specialisty type, but probably worth using right now. And I like Thonmaker, too. And then obviously Christian Wood, but he wasn't really ever in question. Orlando, they're just sort of the same old thing day in, day out. They're a non-fantasy story at this point. DJ Augustine might be back on the other side of the All-Star break, something to watch, because that'll put a big dent into Markel Fultz, who's been playing a little bit better lately. He still hasn't been anywhere near as good as the world would want you to believe, at least from a fantasy standpoint. This was obviously a really nice ball game. You know, 22 and 10, that's a big one. But he's been Alfred Payton light in pretty much every other game besides this one. So anyway, no real changes on that front. Cleveland sat Kevin Love with an Achilles soreness situation. This feels like the first hint at the, you're going to have some time off, Kevin. And this is also a very strong indicator of why I really didn't want to drop Larry Nance Jr. so fast. I said it a bunch of times. I said, look, I understand if you can't if you can't sit on him for one more game. I said, please sit on him for one more game. I had no idea that Kevin Love was going to sit, so I can't give myself that giant of a pat on the back. And frankly, when Love comes back, which he probably will, it's going to put a massive dent into Larry Nance Jr. But he's just too good from a fantasy standpoint to pull the plug that quickly. And he's too good for what they do as a basketball team. He was a monster. So was Tristan Thompson, oddly enough. Andre Drummond was really good for the first five minutes of this game, then picked up two fouls, left the game, and was horrible the rest of the way. He got like seven rebounds after that point in another rather uninspiring game. Tristan Thompson outplayed him. I don't think that's going to happen every night, but you might see a little bit more of a minute split from time to time. Colin Sexton looked a little bit better. Darius Garland looks lost. I finally watched him closely, just tracking him on most plays, and he's not quite ready for the NBA game left. He's, he's learning. He's learning, but he's not. He's not close to looking comfortable, and it's hard to even consider that from a fantasy standpoint. But the best news, I think, from this one... Um, Kevin Porter also actually pretty good news in this game. He played 32 minutes off the bench and had 18 points, four boards, three assists, a steal, and a couple of three-pointers. He's not going to be this efficient. His usage wasn't that high, which is a little bit of a downtick for him. But also Tristan Thompson's usage isn't going to be that high. Uh, I should say Porter's isn't going to be this low every time. Tristan Thompson will do less. Uh, Porter a little bit more in the points league department for the time being because the other stuff in his game hasn't fully come around yet. He's he's someone you can keep track of. But again, you've got to hold Larry Nance. I'm not adding Tristan Thompson after a big ball game. Obviously, you're holding Andre Drummond, you're holding Colin Sexton, and you're holding Kevin Love right now on that Cleveland side. For Atlanta, we're starting to see... Well, first of all, Dwayne Dedman got a start Severe foul issues, but ended up with a really nice nine-category roto line anyway with three steals and three blocks. 
if Clint Capella's back on the other side of the All-Star break, Dwayne Dedman falls back into most obscurity. But maybe he's not. I mean, maybe you get another game or two out of Dwayne on the other side of the break. The thing that I was more concerned with, and by the way, I'm totally fine if you guys want to pick up Deadman and just stream him until we get any word on Capella. Because if he's in there, and if, I mean, hell, if he plays a game where he's not going up against Thompson, Nance, and Drummond, he probably won't pick up four fouls in 17 minutes. He'll probably play 25 to 30 minutes, and he'll go real big for you. But the thing that I've been worried about, and I've been suggesting this for a couple of weeks now, because we saw it the last time Atlanta was healthy, and that was when Cam Reddish, DeAndre Hunter, and Kevin Herter are all healthy, they basically just split one slice of the pie. A slice that, by the way, is going to get smaller when Capella comes back. Because he'll be taking shots and rebounds. And John Collins will do his normal thing. Only four rebounds for Collins in this game. That was pretty weird. DeAndre Hunter's looked a little bit better lately. But again, I mean, a lot of this stuff is going to dry up. So I'm totally fine with streaming Kevin Herter's spot. If any of those other guys are down, he seems to be on the good side of the cut line. But when all three of them are in existence together... When they're all in existence at the same time, you see Herter sort of fritter away and fall back to, you know, 10, 11, 12 shots a game instead of 14 or 15 or however many he was chucking up when some of those other guys were out. You can hang on a little bit longer if you like, but he, he falls back into more of a points and three-point specialist when that team is fully healthy. I don't think he's a must-own guy. Toronto lost in Brooklyn... Looking ahead to the All-Star break much? Their winning streak finally snapped. That season win total over bet is still the easiest money of the whole season. We might get Marcus Olback on the other side of the break. We'll keep an eye on that. We have no real idea what's going on with Norman Powell. I'm going to keep sitting on those dudes because with the Raptors, everybody's just out indefinitely until they pop up. Serge Ibaka will play well until Gasol is back. Lowry, Siakam, Van Vliet, those guys are all good. And then OG Ananobi, as warned, turned into a pumpkin. On the Brooklyn side, we're seeing this continued center minute split. For a while, Jared Allen was seeing the Lions share. We've seen DeAndre Jordan kind of move back into, not necessarily the driver's seat, but at least he's in the passenger seat instead of the back seat now. Because there was a long stretch there where Jared Allen was playing about 26, 27, and Jordan was at about 19 or 20. And DeAndre's been 23, 25, 26, 29 the last couple of ball games. If he's getting in the mid to high 20s, DeAndre Jordan is a nine-category guy. Allen remains a nine-category even if his minutes come down. He can do it quicker. Karis LeVert had some nice defensive stats in this game. I still don't care. Spencer Dinwiddie has his percentages issues. The only thing I thought that was interesting on that Brooklyn side was it, it does seem like the center minute split is moving a little bit. Brooklyn realizing that they need to win, and sometimes they'll just throw DeAndre out there to go log some space and keep guys off the boards a little bit better. We shall see. I think it I think it flips back the other way at some point soon, but it's something. No Giannis from Milwaukee. They did finally lose one. Giannis uh, attending to the birth of a child, I believe. So congratulations to the new dad, Mr. Adetokounmpo. Dante DiVincenzo played well in this one, as did Brooke Lopez. Seven defensive stats. But the key guys were quiet, and that allowed Indiana to pick up a pretty important win over a good team. T.J. Warren had 35 points on 19 shots. He was great. Miles Turner, 14-10 in a couple of blocks. Demonis Sabonis was not good. 
Hasn't happened often, but Brooke Lopez went full box out on that dude. Victor Oladipo still finding his legs, and Jeremy Lamb was the guy we were really paying attention to. He saw 26 minutes off the bench, 13-6, and a steal block, and two three-pointers. That's well inside the top 100 if he's sitting on those numbers. That's easy, and he missed a free throw. Normally, he makes both of those, and it's an extra point and a better free throw percentage. I like Jeremy Lamb still. I know. It makes me a little bit weird. I, I, I get it. He's going to fall off from that top 65, top 70 valuation from earlier this year, but I still think he's inside the top 100. I still think he's a guy you need to roster. Washington blew out the Knicks on the road. How, you ask? Honestly, I don't know. The Knicks were just not good. Knicks had 20 turnovers. Out-rebounded the Wizards by 12. It's not that the Wizards shot the ball that great, 47.5%. Bradley Beal was pretty good. Isak Bonga had a nice ball game. Davis Bertans was fine. A lot of guys on Washington were kind of fine in this game. Yamahimi played 30 minutes because Mo Wagner got himself ejected. Rui Hachimura wasn't very good. I really have no idea how Washington won this game. Both Ish Smith and Shabazz Napier were not good. By the way, I think I'm going to go ahead and plant my flag in neither one of those guys is worth owning. I've moved on from the Washington point guard spot. I'm not even going to track it anymore. I'm done. I'm done with it. Done with it. No, you're not streaming Yamahimi because Wagner will be back for the next one, and Thomas Bryant might also be back for the next one. Beal, Bertans, Bryant look like they're going back to being the guys, and then Hachimura's more of a points league option, but he'll sniff the nine category thing. Alfred Payton just keeps sticking it in my eye. Uh, his free throw percent was not good in this game, but he was very good in the other stuff. And as much as I want to dog him, he's had a pretty nice stretch here for the Knicks. 19 points, four boards, eight assists, five steals again. He's gone totally ham in the steals department lately. And uh, I got to give credit where credit's due. And by the way, I, kn I know you guys are, are going to kill me for this, and I've said before I don't really like his fantasy game. I do have him in two places as a steals and assist specialist. Anything else is gravy, and I just pray he doesn't go to the free throw line. Because if he doesn't go to the free throw line in this ball game, I probably gain a point in steals or in free throws in my roto league. But his five steals make up for it. The shame of the matter is, that's a roto team that's already really good at stealing the basketball. <laughs> I don't really need it. Oh well. Oh well. What are you going to do? Complain about that sort of thing? Don't be a butthead, Dan. Everybody else in the Knicks was bad. I still think you can buy low on Mitchell Robinson. Five fouls in 18 minutes. That's always going to artificially depress his stuff. Julius Randle had 21 and 13 in an uninspiring season. And the Knicks were bad in this one. They've been better lately, largely because of Alfred Payton, but they were not good in this one. Minnesota had Cat ruled out before tip, and then Charlotte had Terry Rozier ruled out before tip. And as it turned out, the uh, Timberwolves missed Cat more than Charlotte missed Rozier. Surprise, surprise. When I found out Cat was out, I was thinking about putting some money on the Timberwolves. And then when I found out Rozier was also out, I thought, all right, well, this one has teams looking forward to the All-Star break written all over it. Plenty to learn from this game, though. Uh, no Cody Zeller on the Charlotte side. He had a little All-Star break-itis as well. So Bismack Biombo got 26 minutes. And if Zeller misses any additional time, you can probably stream Bismack. P.J. Washington looks like a drop if he wasn't already. Devontae Graham was good in this ballgame, so that was nice. Miles Bridges has been scoring a lot lately. A little bit, the other stuff has been a tiny bit lacking. Malik Monk just dropping buckets on people at the moment. 
Obviously, he had extra to do with no Terry Rozier in the lineup, but he's been scoring like crazy lately. I mean, he, he fits a very standard build at this point, and that build is I need points and I need them bad because he doesn't do much else. He's averaging almost 23 points a game over the last week, and he's still just barely inside the top 100 because his other stuff is lacking in general. So I'm not in, I, I don't think I can advise a Monk pickup, despite a, a, a nice game. He had a couple blocks, three threes in this one. Not going to usually take 20 shots. Interesting streamer, though, to be sure. God, the Hornets are a pain in the ass. Minnesota. Okay, this was a team that I was keeping a real close watch on, and then when Cat was ruled out, my watch, my watch has ended. I know that from a sheer fantasy standpoint, Cat being ruled out was fantastic for D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, Nas Reed, Juancho Hernan Gomez, Josh Okogie, even my favorite newcomer, James Johnson. But... I really wanted to know what this team was going to look like when they were playing the guys they intended to play. I want to know what the usage looks like with Cat and D'Lo in the lineup together. Can these other guys do enough to survive? Can Malik Beasley stay well inside the... I mean, he's way inside the top 100 cut line, taking 25 damn shots a game. Sure, but he's not going to take 25 shots when Cat comes back. Sure, Juancho Hernan Gomez taking 18 shots. That's more than enough to get him fantasy value, even though he's just a points and rebounds guy. But with Cat back, those two guys took 43 shots. I mean, you basically take 20 of those and give them to Towns. They're coming from those guys for the most part. Maybe a couple from D'Lo, but he's going to be hucking up shots too. And then obviously Nas Reed is not going to do much of anything when Cat's healthy. What do we think about this cat thing? I think he'll be back. I, I don't think he's ready to shut it down. I think he really wants to play with D'Angelo Russell this year. I, want, I think they want to see kind of what their young core can look like and build some good vibes going into the offseason. You might see him get shut down for the last week, but I think he does try to play after the All-Star break or shortly thereafter. Meanwhile, the three names, I'm, I'm not discussing Nas Reed because if Cat plays, he's not going to be something. Beasley, Hernan Gomez, and I added James Johnson to that list. You guys know I've been talking about him a little bit, probably more than other folks, because, again, you go back a couple years, he was a 1-1-1 one, one, and one guy. He's always been good steals, good blocks, added the three-pointer partway through his career. He went hyper-low usage in this game, and it really could have been a lot better. He shot 2-for-8 from the field and 0-for-2 at the free-throw line. If he makes one more shot in both of his free throws, then you're talking about 10, 5, and 5 with six defensive stats. As it was, basically anytime you get six defensive stats, I don't care what else you do, it's a good one. Am I adding James Johnson everywhere? No, I'm adding him in places where I need defensive stats, and I don't need much scoring, because I don't think he's going to take that many shots. He's on my radar, though. I mean, he's for sure he's on 14-teamers. A lot of my 12s play a little bit more like 14s, uh, 5 five-player benches, high games caps in Roto. So a guy like James Johnson actually has a decent amount of usage. Watch O'Hearn on Gomez. I don't like his fantasy game. We've been down this road before. Points and rebounds. He's he's like a bad version of Lowry Markinen from a fantasy standpoint. So when Cat comes back, I don't think he can stay above the cut line. I do think Malik Beasley is going to hang in there. He, he looks aggressive. He's just bombing away. Minnesota taking as many three-pointers as the world will allow them. And if he could get a steal or two in his new digs, he'll be in pretty good shape. So he looks like he's going to be a really nice winner from the trade deadline. 
D'Lo is going to be good. And then I actually would prefer James Johnson over Hernan Gomez, even though Wancho is probably going to be your starter. I don't even want to talk about Portland-Memphis. I'm so upset about Damian Lillard hurting his groin. Let's hope he only misses one to two weeks. If it's more like three, we can still kind of hang in there. We're, we're getting awfully close to the playoffs at that point. If you're counting on him, you're in real trouble. Trevor Reza, threes and steals, as per usual. That's his, his I mean, that's what we've been talking about. Anthony Simons, I, w- I was wondering what happened to him, and I had a feeling if he came back, he would see some decent action here. If Dame misses time, obviously you're going to get a ton of C.J. McCollum. Uh, not clear that they'll have a true point guard to move in there, but you'll probably get a fair amount of Simons and might make sense, actually, as a streaming option. Mostly just pray that Damian Lillard doesn't miss that much time because if he does, we're all in deep, deep duty. I said duty because my child was standing next to me. This is true. Meanwhile, on Memphis side, Brandon Clark... Good morning, 27 points on 14 shots. Second half surge, perhaps, upon us. Jonas Valanciunas continues his recent block fest. And you're going to see, by the way, rough game for Jaron Jackson Jr., foul trouble still creeping in every once in a while. DeAnthony Melton, 26 minutes, hurt himself by going 3 of 5 at the free throw line, but made 5 out of 7 shots, 12 points, 4 boards, 4 assists, a 3-pointer. Normally, you're going to see him come up with a steal or two. This is what we're looking for. Make another free throw or two. Get a steal. He has incredible upside. And the minutes are now available. And Kyle Anderson's actually not terrible. I mean, he really fits more of a punt threes build, to be sure. But his minutes are way, way up. And there's a little bit of something there. But obviously, he's a little bit farther down the totem pole. Sacramento got blown out in Dallas. Nemanja Bielitsa was in early foul trouble, and the Kings kind of never really recovered. Buddy Heald was solid off the bench again, although it took him 21 shots. Kent Bazemore played well. I don't know why I'm going through all this stuff. Nothing that happened in this game changes my outlook on anything going on with the Kings. Kind of surprised at how well the Mavs played with Doncic in his first game back. They just they threw him right back into the mix. No issues whatsoever. Tim Hardaway Jr. and Seth Curry stayed decent in this one, which is something, certainly, to be sure. Uh, Maxi Kleba's really fallen off a cliff these days, and the, the rotating cavalry in Dallas continues to be kind of up in the air a little bit. Porzingis is playing better these days. He was always a little bit of a buy low because of that crazy low field goal percent he was working with, but, uh, boy, I didn't know that he would get it going this rapid fire. Miami. Blown out in Utah. This was a we-gotta-get-our-butts-to-the-all-star-break kind of game. Bam Adebayo played well. Duncan Robinson hit six threes. Jay Crowder did have 15 points and three three-pointers and was actually efficient again in this ball game. He is... You can't even call him a sell-high because nobody's really going to take him from you. Jimmy Butler had a weirdly quiet game. And Miami just really couldn't get the shots to drop the way they needed to in this one. Utah did plenty. Rudy Gobert, 16-20. Jordan Clarkson... When Mike Conley's out, obviously his role expands. Joe Ingles, I thought he'd play better with no Conley, who presumably will be fine after the All-Star break, and sort of nothing really changes on that side either. With Miami, you know, Tyler Hero didn't play in this one. When he gets back in there, it just clutters things up even more. I don't know if they plan on using much of Solomon Hill. Seems like the answer's probably not, but with Iguodala and Jay Crowder both logging decent-sized minutes, it's just way too crowded. 
Seems like Duncan Robinson might be able to hang out above that threshold, though. Somehow, he just keeps hanging on because they desperately need that incredible floor spacing. How about my guy Marquise Chris, huh? 18 points, 12 rebounds, 3 assists, 3 blocked shots. He is rolling. Andrew Wiggins had a really nice game, actually. 27-4-5, 2 steals, 4 blocks, 6 out of 6 free throws. Damian Lee had three steals that floated his value, but I don't trust him. I don't trust Eric Pascal. I definitely don't trust Kai Bowman, who played four minutes in this ballgame. I told you guys he was going to turn into a pumpkin when Draymond Green was running the point, and it was worse than I expected. I thought he'd at least play. He didn't even play. But Marquise Chris is locked into a giant Mondo role the rest of the way. I mean, he is he could be a league winner type of guy. Kelly Oubre had another kind of weird, quiet game. I don't know. I mean, with DeAndre Ayton, Dario Scharch, and Aaron Baines all out, and Frank Kaminsky, sorry, they got four centers on the shelf in Phoenix right now. They just have no size left. Czech Diallo played 21 minutes as the starting center. Uh, somehow they out-rebounded the Warriors. Magical turn of events. That's how bad Golden State is right now. But uh, Mikhail Bridges looks great the rest of the way. Ricky Rubio should be fine. Nine points, nine assists, two steals. That's basically what you drafted him for. He's been cold lately and turning the ball over a lot but he'll get a few good ones going at some point and then everything else stays about the same you just sort of hope that DeAndre Aiden's not out for more than the all-star break and the Lakers and Nuggets needed overtime in a in a fun one Lakers won it another road win for the Lakers that's really remarkable Jeremy Grant played 38 minutes to Paul Millsap's 20 so that minute count for Millsap still in full effect I'm guessing that'll get lifted after the All-Star break. Are they going to switch who's starting? Probably. I think you see Millsap back in the starting lineup. If not the first game out of the break, then probably by the third, at which point Jeremy Grant probably goes back to not being usable. Millsap looks great. I hope you guys have been stashing him and, and sitting on him until he gets his minute cap up. I said this on a previous episode. If you're in a keeper league that where you get advantages for keeping guys that were drafted late or, or waiver wire picks up. Jeremy Grant has that written all over him. Nuggets have him signed for one more year. Millsap, not the case. He's gone. That's a different discussion, I suppose. Uh, Lakers side, they're a two-man operation. Anthony Davis, 33-10. and 10. Three threes, two steals, two blocks. Had a poor free-throw shooting game in sort of an odd twist. LeBron had a four, poor free-throw shooting game, not in an odd twist. The Lakers make their free throws. They probably don't need overtime in this game. I guess you could say the same thing for the Nuggets, but theirs is way less pronounced. Lakers shot 52% at the line in this game. Dwight Howard was responsible for 12 of those. I realize that's not nothing, but LeBron won for 486 out of 9. And they uh, they figured it out. Lakers shot 51%, Nuggets shot 50%, and that was the ball game. Anyway, I love uh, Paul Millsap going forward. I think Will Barton... Hopefully he'll be okay out of the All-Star break as well. Then you'll see Torrey Craig go back to doing very little again. Uh, and then you, the Nuggets go back to what they were at the beginning of the season, which was basically the starting five minus Gary Harris, who's just not interesting at all. And then the bench you can pretty much forget about, unless, again, you're sitting on somebody for next year. One thing the Lakers did that I really liked in this game, and it's not so much a fantasy deal, but Alex Caruso played big minutes. Kyle Kuzma did not. Avery Bradley's getting big minutes these days. They're, they're still working on something. You've got to believe the Lakers are, are not done yet. 
But I guess that's not uh, quite as much the the fantasy as the reality ramifications of what's going on there. So a lot of interesting stuff on that big Wednesday card. Uh, some questions answered. Unfortunately, some questions not because we got really fun games from Minnesota and Cleveland, but they were both missing key players that will probably play out of the break. And then we're going to have to reassess things. But hopefully you guys got enough out of that discussion to know kind of where my needle falls with a lot of these guys and, and whether or not you're using games cap or rather uh, moves limit moves on certain things during this long week. And whether or not, you know, if you're in a situation where you're looking for rest of season value, if there's a guy that, that I think can be useful in that regard. I said I was only going to ask you to do one thing on this podcast. One thing and one thing only. And that one thing is please keep leaving reviews on this podcast. Please let them be five-star reviews if you feel so inclined. They are the difference makers. They are the dreamers of dreams. If you write something funny or nice, or I, I mean, honestly, I don't care. It, it, it Goofball, I will read it on the podcast. By the way, we got one from Polly D over the last 24 hours. Dan is the man. You guys are not writing silly enough things. Get weirder here. Anyway, you guys are too kind. This one says, hooked right away. Immediately fell in love with this pod. You'll be a fantasy basketball expert in no time. Each podcast is informative and always helpful. A good follow on Twitter, too. Response to questions. Not as often lately as I should, by the way. Also need a fantasy b-ball ideology weekly segment. Yeah, that was um, that was fun. We used to do that with, uh, I think that was with Zane, right? With Zane Denani a couple years ago. Zane Day. We got into this sort of the, the big broad stroke strategic elements and i'd like to do that again that's a really good that's really good feedback so thank you uh keep them coming guys again if you're if you're on itunes it's very easy you just find the podcast tab search for fantasy nba today and there's a rate and review button right there in the middle of the deal and then obviously where most of you guys are is the mobile units mobile whatever you want to call it smartphone smart device ipad iphone Boot up the podcast app, hit the search button down on the bottom, search for Fantasy NBA Today, click on the show title, and scroll down on that page. The rate and review stuff is at the bottom of that first main page. So please, if you haven't done it before, please do it today. Drop a five-star review. If you want to write something silly, like I said, I'll read it on air. If you've done it before, grab somebody's phone that's hanging out near you and do it on theirs. This is how we conquer the internet with your help. Big thank you in advance. Uh, quickly here, a Thursday card. We'll, we'll do this one, and we'll get this sucker wrapped up pretty tight uh, on this one. I'll have a longer podcast tomorrow. And the Wednesday show was actually a beast. That was like a 70-minute whopper. We'll have a, sh- a longer one tomorrow as we preview the All-Star break stuff, including, of course, the dunk contest, three-point contest, any place we might be able to make a few bucks by dropping a wager on something. We'll also have the... Uh, brief Thursday recap, maybe a little weekend review stuff, because it has been a pretty eventful post-deadline week, and that'll lead us to a, a pretty sizable Friday show. But I think this one we can keep on the shorter side. In terms of what we're paying attention to tonight, just kind of fun basketball. You know, we'll, we'll keep an eye on Marcus Morris with the Clippers, a little, if you want to call it a revenge game, I guess. I don't know if it's going to be a thing. They're in Boston here going into the All-Star break. Celtics, I don't think there's a whole lot to watch. It, it, they're they're pretty well locked in at this point. Same deal, Oklahoma City. Maybe Nerlens Noel. I, I do think there's a buy-low window happening here with him. And then with the Pelicans, it just comes down to health. Is Brandon Ingram playing? If he is, 
then you can wipe guys like J.J. Redick and Hart probably back off the map. If he's not, Hart and Redick both play a lot better. That's it. That's it. Those games take us into the break. Let's keep this conversation going. I, I think there are questions to be had on a lot of the stuff we saw from Wednesday, which, again, we got some pieces of the puzzle, but it's weird. Yes, obviously the fact that I have some James Johnsons and I have a whole bunch of Larry Nances, it was really helpful for my specific team that Cat was out and that Kevin Love was out. But from a what do I know going into the All-Star break, very little. We didn't, we didn't learn the things we wanted to learn, which is what, it, what are the guys we're watching going to be like when this team's at full strength? What I'll say at this point is, kind of reflecting on those two teams in particular, I'm definitely holding Larry Nance through the break because he can be good in limited minutes. He doesn't need a gigantic chunk. If he gets a gigantic chunk, you can see crazy performances like he did uh, on this card we were just going over, but he really only needs like 23, 24 minutes, and he can be a top 100 guy with a tiny bit of upside beyond that. Uh, the Minnesota deal, Malik Beasley is the one you definitely have to be squatting on. I, don't, I mean, I don't know that James Johnson is a guy that's going to hang in there the rest of the way, but if he's really going to be the I'm going to get you defensive stats and just do a little bit of everything kind of thing, he could be your, you know, Nemanja Bielitsa on another team now. And they kind of need that leadership. That's an incredibly young team with minimal toughness by all accounts. D'Angelo Russell, Carlin, I mean, those guys are not playing any defense. So maybe you get James Johnson out there, black belt and all, to just kind of whip them all into shape. We shall see. I have oddly high hopes, and when I say high hopes, I don't mean game changer. I just mean someone who's like one little half cut above some of these other names we're, cu- we're casting around, like Shabazz Napier, Ish Smith, guys in that zone that to me are just never going to get kind of over the line to where they're useful. And I think with Johnson, you might. But, unfortunately, we're just not going to know until Cat's back in there. We're just not going to know. So, this is why I'd like to keep the conversation going throughout All-Star Weekend, certainly through today, this Thursday show. If you've got questions about those guys, hit me. I'm sure there'll be comparison plays that, that come into the, the mix. I'll try to do my best to get them answered. I, I should have a little bit more time for Twitter here with uh, the, the daily grind of the NBA down a bit over the next few days. But again, we're working on this massive sales project over here at Hoopball, which I'd love it if you guys hit me up. Still want to get in there. Want to be part of the team? Bug me, bug me, bug me. I am at Dan Bespris on Twitter, and that is how we're going to take you to the finish line on this shorter-than-average Thursday show. At D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S or email teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. Join the madness. Drop a five-star review. Enjoy your Thursday. We will again be back. We'll have shows uh, normal Monday through Friday. All-star break and all. We'll just have other interesting things to cover. Tomorrow again, we can review an All-Star Weekend preview. We'll talk to you then. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.